Should you lose fat and then gain muscle? Weightlifting after 60? And what supplement should you take? Today on Body Performance. I'm Steve Tirano, and welcome to Body Performance, the podcast designed to help you reach your weight loss, fitness, and bodybuilding goals. Myself, like everybody else, is unfortunately having to deal with this coronavirus, and that's not a good excuse for not putting out podcasts faster, but unfortunately, I've been sidetracked by that, as well as manufacturing with our CBD botanical therapy products, and it's just been one thing after another, as I'm sure everybody else out there listening has been dealing with. And I certainly hope that everybody is healthy. And if this has affected your family, my prayers are with you. Let's talk about losing fat and building muscle. I was in the gym and I was talking to a guy and he was talking about he had to lose the last 35 or 40 pounds and then he would start working out and lifting weight so he would gain good quality muscle. And I, I've heard that before and I'm like thinking... Where does this thought or where does this myth come from that somehow there's good quality muscle or bad quality muscle and that if you lift while you're losing weight or if you lift while you're fat, you will not build quality muscle. And there is no such thing as good quality muscle or bad quality muscle. Muscle is muscle. Think about a bodybuilder in the off season. They eat lots of food so they have enough calories to put on muscle so they're not in a calorie deficit mode. So they've got additional calories to help build muscle. Then they start their contest diet to begin to trim away body fat so they can see what they look like. But when they do that, they don't stop lifting. They keep lifting to keep the muscles they've built during their off season. And I don't like to use the term off season since bodybuilders lift all year long. They just don't diet all year long. So if you're losing weight and want to put on muscle, don't wait. Putting on muscle is a hard process. So start the muscle building process, which takes time and effort. Why wait? You're going to the gym anyway. Weightlifting is activity and it burns calories. Not a ton, but it uses calories. You use calories when you recover from your workouts the recovery of replacing lost glycogen or used glycogen, and the recovery of building muscles burns calories. Building muscle uses calories, not just protein. This is what people don't understand about intense training. When you train super intensely, whether that's hard, whether that's heavy, or whether that's over a long period of time, that utilizes calories And then that requires a lot of replacement of calories so you have that available energy in the muscle for future workouts. So if calories are fueling all this weightlifting activity and recovery, don't you think it's going to help you lose weight or speed the weight loss process? It is. Plus, these guys somehow thought that if they put on muscle while they were losing weight, it would not be quality muscle. And like I I said, I hear that before, and I'm not sure where this comes from. Again, no such thing as high quality or low quality muscle. It's muscle. Now, if you were a cow, I would say, yeah, filet is better than chuck. But since nobody's going to throw your ass on the barbecue, it's not an issue. And here's something guys definitely don't think about. If they're heavier, they're able to put on more muscle a bit faster only because 
they have excess calories. They've got a calorie surplus. Their body doesn't have to deal with a calorie deficit. So while you're heavy, start to build muscle and gain strength. So by the time you've lost the body fat, you're not starting from scratch. And as you're lifting and your body is changing, you might notice that you're starting to look damn good at 190 pounds, so you don't have to go the whole way down to 180 and start building muscle and getting the body you want from there. By the time you got down to 190, half the work or three quarters of the work might be done. Half of the work is losing the body fat. The other half of the work is gaining the muscle. So if you can gain the muscle while you're losing the body fat, why not kill two birds with one stone and save that time? Why take six months to lose fat and then a year to build muscle when you can put six months of muscle building and fat loss underneath your belt so now it only takes you six months to have the body you want instead of a year and a half. I just recently got an email from a gentleman by the name of James, and that rolls right into our second topic, which covers basically what we just talked about in the first topic. He says, Steve, you have done several videos in your Body Performance TV or your Ask a Real Expert series on YouTube, and I am 60 years old, and I want to lose fat and build muscle. Is there anything in particular or anything special I have to watch out for given my age when it comes to nutrition and working out? Now, James is six foot four and he needs to lose uh, some body weight and wanted to get in shape. And here's what I told him I told him anybody can gain muscle at any age, and gaining muscle and losing fat can be done simultaneously as well, as I've mentioned just now and in a million different videos. Now, there are three things, obviously, for anybody when it comes to getting in shape. Nutrition, working out, and cardio. With regards to nutrition, and my answer to James, who is 60, 6'4", and needs to lose a decent amount of weight. I said, not too much red meat. That's something that pretty much anybody should follow. Studies have shown that societies and cultures that have a high intake of animal protein, and that's fish, chicken, or beef, it doesn't necessarily have to be red meats, have a higher incidence of cancer and heart disease. Now, I know there's all those keto cavemen out there who love their diets. Hey, have at it. If it works for you, go ahead. But I'm just going to tell you that if you increase your saturated fat intake, you are increasing your chance of heart disease. So do what you want. If it works for you, that's great. I hope you live a long life. Then I also told him not too much processed food, which can be defined as packaged or prepackaged food. When people talk about things, they seem to forget that if you eat food that you make at home, it is a hundred times more healthier than food that you eat out of a package or at a restaurant. Let's take red meat, for example. A hamburger is not that healthy for you, but if you make it at home, it is healthier than a hamburger you buy at a store or a hamburger you get at a restaurant. That is absolutely true. Then I told him, then let's think about some of the normal things you would expect. Not too much junk food, and we kind of know what that is. Not too many desserts, not too much liquor, and so on, meaning you can't have those on a regular basis. Once in a while, some chips, not that big a deal. Once in a while, a beer here and there, no big deal. Throw in dessert, great. But you can't crush it on your cheat day because that's going to crush your entire week. And if you want to reward yourself every other day because you made it to the gym, 
it ain't going to work, cupcake. You're not going to lose any weight. And then you're going to bitch and moan and groan about not having achieved the results you want. And somehow something's not going right. It's called your self-discipline. Now, we all need some junk food, but you can't make it a daily habit. Don't worry about potatoes, rice, pasta, and bread. Most idiots think they're bad for you, and they're not. They're certainly not as bad as a steak, which has a ton of saturated fat. But you cannot eat tons of potatoes, rice, pasta, and bread because, again, they taste great, they go down easily, and they do have calories. And when people think in terms of, oh, I have to stay away from carbohydrates, they don't seem to remember the things I just mentioned. Carbohydrates in the forms of juices, colas, sweetened teas, cakes, candies, cookies, pastries, potato chips, pretzels, junk food. Those are the carbohydrates you have to stay away from, not the four deadly sins that are potatoes, pasta, rice, and bread. Then I told him about working out. You got to take it slow regardless. If it's cardio, you got to take it slow. If it's weights, you got to take it slow. Only because everybody starts out gung-ho, whether it's diet or exercise, and then they lose their motivation. And when it comes to weightlifting or cardio, you end up jumping into it full force, and then the next day you can't move or you run the risk of injury. So with lifting, I would stick to machines for the first couple of months until your initial soreness begins to diminish, your strength increases, and you get a benchmark for what you're capable of doing. Then you can broaden your exercise inventory with some free weight exercises, but only certain ones. Then I told him I would chat later about it with him one-on-one -on -one to help give him some better advice. Stay away from squats, deadlifts, or anything bent over where your back is susceptible to injury. Then the third thing, the third piece of the puzzle, is cardio. Again, you got to do whatever cardio that you like doing whatever you're capable of doing, and whatever you'll do on a regular basis. But you got to start off slow, see how you feel, and then adjust the intensity accordingly. And intensity can be speed, time, or how hard you're going to do it. And again, how hard you're going to do it depends on the type of cardio you're doing. If you're walking on a treadmill, you think about speed, how fast you're going, and how long, am I, how long am I going to have to do this shit? But now with intensity, you can either increase the elevation or increase the intensity by increasing the speed. That works. When you're talking about elliptical or stairmasters, now we're talking about different types of cardio. Elliptical's a little easier than the treadmill. You see people on the elliptical and they're zooming along. They like it because it's not that hard. There's no impact, but there's very little resistance. And it's wonderful that they're doing something. But when you see a 250-pound guy doing the elliptical, he's not really breathing heavy. He might be sweating, but you can chit-chat with him as if he's standing still. He's not really putting a strain on his heart, so therefore he's not improving his cardiovascular performance. And because he's not putting any type of strain on his cardiovascular system, He's not really burning as many calories as he could. The ultimate is the Stairmaster. That thing is hard. You jump on that thing, and 10 minutes of that is like running a mile outside. It is hard. Now, I'm not talking about the way normal people do it, where they lay on the control panel, and then they're just, you know, going 
stair by stair, or they prop themselves up on the handrails and again, go step by step. What you should do is use the handrails for balance, but don't rest your arms on it. I try to do it without holding on to anything. That helps your balance, it helps your coordination, and it burns a lot more calories because the moment you let go, your legs are supporting your entire weight every time you step up. Just do that and then rest your arms on the control panel or the railings and notice how much easier it gets. And then grab a hold of the control panel and then sort of lean on it. Now you're not lifting as much of your body weight with each step. So when your quads are burning and you're breathing hard for five or 10 minutes, that's intense cardio. Even though you're not quote unquote in your fat burning zone and you're out of breath and you can't catch your breath and you can't carry on a conversation, you are still improving your cardiovascular ability. And eventually your cardiovascular ability will improve to the point where chit-chatting on the Stairmaster is not that big a deal. But if you can get up to 10 minutes at a decent speed, that, in my opinion, is equivalent to running or jogging a mile. Do that three times a week, 10 minutes on the Stairmaster, three times a week, and that's like running three miles a week. Now, people are going to say, hey, Steve, I run on the treadmill. Yeah, you do. Congratulations. Unfortunately, the treadmill ain't like the Stairmaster. It's better than the elliptical, but it is not like the Stairmaster. When you are running on the treadmill, the floor or the ground is moving. You don't have to push your weight forward. And if you think you're in great shape, jog on the treadmill and then go jog outside. There is a huge difference. Let's talk a little bit about supplements. This is a common question and a huge point of argument. And the primary reason is everybody has their success stories for the supplement they start taking. I started taking branched chain amino acids and I got stronger. I started eating extra protein and I started getting stronger. I started using this powdered protein creatine mix and I started getting stronger. I started eating Captain Crunch and Twinkies and I got stronger. When in reality, all these guys did was they just started lifting more consistently and more intelligently and or more intensely. It's the lifting that causes muscles to grow and makes you bigger and stronger. Ever see a retired professional athlete? They either lose weight and get or stay in shape, sort of similar to like Jerry Rice, or they start to look a little fuller and a little fatter because they're not doing two-a-days and the intensity of their workouts isn't part of their daily or weekly routine anymore. And now that slow, gradual accumulation of calories begins to occur. Remember that 100 extra calories a day is 10 pounds in a year? After 10 years, that would be 100 pounds. But that's not how calories accumulate. They accumulate but it's 20 or 30 extra calories a day, adding up to two to three pounds of fat a year. And then after 10 years, you're 20 or 30 pounds overweight. You don't notice it, but when people haven't seen you in a while, they're like, Jesus, what happened to Bob? Well, Bob's been having 20 to 30 extra calories a day, or he's not burning those 20 or 30 extra calories a day because he's not mowing the lawn anymore, his kid is, and pretty soon, Bob is 30 pounds overweight. Let me finish with this myth. Lifting without a belt strengthens your back, 
or conversely, lifting with a belt weakens your back. Nothing could be further from the truth, and guys who are passing out this advice always seem to be skinny and or have shitty form on their deadlift or squat. A belt does not make your back weaker. If you could lift more weight wearing a belt, how does that make your back weaker? It makes your back stronger. And what it also does is it helps support the spine, the vertebrae, while you're trying to either squat or deadlift or do any other types of lifts. What we want to do is add some stability and rigidity to the torso, what people like to call the core, their core. Well, people always are talking about training their core. They're doing planks. They're doing all this bullshit exercises on balls or unstable areas or platforms or things like that. But yet nobody says, you know, you should throw a belt on. That would really help you while you're doing standing curls. No, there's always some asshole who says, yo, you shouldn't wear a belt while you're squatting. You shouldn't wear a belt while you're deadlifting. Except power lifters wear these big, thick, huge belts while they're bench pressing, while they're deadlifting, and while they're squatting because they know it helps support the back. And when it helps support the back, the back is the platform from which you lift everything else. If your back is strong, you curl better. If your back is strong and supported, you squat better. If your back is supported and strong, you deadlift better. You do everything better when your back is supported. The only thing I could think of where you wouldn't wear a belt is, let's say, leg press, where you sort of roll up and you kind of get crunched up, possibly doing abs. But other than that, I wear my belt for just about everything. If you have a question, you can hit me up on Instagram at at Body Performance Help. I believe we still have a Body Performance page on Facebook. You can reach me on Facebook. Just hit me up with an instant message there. You're also welcome to email me, strano at outlook.com. Shoot me an email. I'll be happy to answer your questions, hopefully on the show, and hopefully it won't take another seven to ten days for me to get out another episode. This is the point where I'm supposed to tell you to share the podcast so we can get some likes and get some exposure. I really appreciate it. I'm not a social media guru. I'm just trying to figure out this whole damn thing while doing a million other things. But I definitely appreciate you listening. I definitely appreciate your support. I'm Steve Tarano, and this is Body Performance. Body Performance.